This episode of MNF Reps is brought to you by Charlotte's Web. Need a little support for stress, sleep, or focus? Well, then you need to check out the high-quality, hemp-derived CBD products from Charlotte's Web. Their products are tested more than 20 times before they're made available for purchase. No wonder they're considered the world's most trusted hemp extract. For help finding the right product or to learn more about the benefits of CBD, visit charlottesweb.com. And use the code FITNESS at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Yeah, now more than ever, I think people are really thinking about parenting and how their stress relates to kind of how it comes out with their kids. And it has kind of been this odd almost opportunity for me maybe to jump in and get more people to think about these things. What I have been noticing about myself is that I've definitely been a little bit more reactive to my to my kids because I'm working from home. And I think because we're on top of each other all day long, if you're around your kids more during the day, there's going to be more situations where you get frustrated as a parent. Right. So often what I think about with parenting, I talk a lot about parenting, but we come into contact through our kids with our own emotion regulation all the time, right? When they get dysregulated, we get dysregulated and whatever we're doing inside is going to affect what flows out of us outside. And right now we're all anxious and there's a ton of helplessness right now. We're kind of stuck waiting. There's not that much to do. And there's always a big tendency for helplessness because that's just a hard human emotion to sit with. And especially I would imagine anyone in like any type of exercise or weightlifting or any type of field, like they like to feel strong. Like helplessness is probably like the worst feeling. Do you have any tips for, you know, uh, like my, my daughter is uh, about 16 months and uh, we have another one on the way. Now, you know, the things that I'm going to start encountering that I need to prep for uh, now, like be it communication or, or anything else. Yeah. So I have a million, oh my God, a million things to say. Everything I talk about in here and even the kind of relative guidance I'm going to say in response to your question is definitely from Dr. Becky, like the mom me, I just like everyone to know, like I do whatever you're doing in your house that you feel bad about, I do in my house also Mm -hmm. and feel bad about. And then often my husband's like, what about that post you put up? Like you should have listened to yourself. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) Do as I say, I love it. Yeah. I think your question's a great one because one of the things I think that's often misunderstood about kids' development and I hear this a lot just on the street, is people saying some version of like, oh, they're not going to remember that. You know, like they're not going to remember that. They're so young. You know, arguably the first three years of a kid's life are the most important years because they're brain wiring, which doesn't mean their knowledge, but their procedural learning, which means how I figure out how the world works. Like when I feel this, this is what I should expect in a response. When I, you know, how, how I learn about closeness, how I learn about dependability, those like huge themes, we know as adults, like play over and over your whole life. It's actually kind of crazy when you, it, it, 75% of that is done by age three and 90% by age five. So that wiring is happening when you have a kid at 16 months in terms of when I'm upset, this is like one of the most key circuits, I think that gets wiring. What do I expect from the people around me? What do I expect for people to respond to me? And then over the course of my life, I'm going to actually start responding to my own distress in the exact same words and more than the words, the tone and the patience and their relative regulation that the adults around me respond to me in. We always understand people's attempts to understand us. Like we can always feel 
whether someone's trying to understand and empathize with us, even if we have, like, if someone in, I don't speak Mandarin, if someone in Mandarin was around me, I could tell which one of them would be trying to understand me and be soft and which one would be judgmental to me. I could just, I think any of us, you could just feel that. So this is the age really where often at 16 months, you have a kid who's having like a ton of dysregulation because they can't really regulate themselves, but they want so many things. They understand so much more than they can verbalize. So they melt down when you cut their banana because they didn't want to cut banana or they melt down when you go to the bathroom and you're like, oh my God, I've been here all day. I'm just I'm peeing in private for like two seconds, right? And what's really important to realize is, are they going to be able to say when they're 10, hey dad, remember when they went to the bathroom and I was upset? No, of course not. But will they remember as a pattern, when I got upset, did I hear more something like, um, stop it, stop overreacting? Or did I hear nothing because my parents didn't expect that I would understand? Or did I really remember, my body remembers, even more than my brain, getting a lot of, oh, that's so upsetting. Right? And again, they're not gonna remember the word, but if after their distress, what's the next building block in that circuit, if it's soft tone and understanding, their body is gonna remember that for the rest of their lives. What's, what's worrying me a bit is, there is a lack of structure and my kids just went from, you know, uh, being in school from eight to three every day where, you know, every hour lunch breaks and gym class and all this stuff to right now, like they maybe have an hour and a half, two hours of classroom time on zoom calls. Now, do we need to worry about the short stint of time and how that's going to affect their development with years to come? I actually think this is a, a good point. We actually say this a lot as parents, like, do I need to worry about this thing? Oh my God, mm -hmm. it's going to negatively affect their development. And to me, the, the, the struggle I have with that question is I'm locked into a yes or no. I guess where I find a really empowering question is, our kids are going to be affected by this. Just like not traumatized, but we're affected by everything we go through. This is clearly a major development. So then the question I like to think about is, okay, so if I take that as a given, like, what does my kid really need right now to come out of this on the as resilient as possible end of the kids who are going to go through this, right? So to me, that's always, I, I think that's a really powerful question. So a couple things, I think, along that, that note. To me, what's critical in this time, you know, I think about understanding as the building block of every single good thing that happens with kids, starting from 16-month-olds to like when you have adult children. Understanding, to me, there's almost an equation, like understanding brings connection, that makes kids feel safe, which is a huge word right now, and that helps kids be regulated. And once kids are regulated, we all can make good decisions. So to me, that's even the most important step before you think of, oh, should we schedule them more? Do they need more? And to me, what kids need a ton of right now is almost just every day a conversation with their parents that sounds like this. It's like, wow, like so many things have changed. Like your school has changed so much. You're doing the Zoom school thing. School was never supposed to be on Zoom. You were in school from, like you said, 8 to 3. Now you're in school from like, I don't know, kind of 8.30 to 10.30-ish. Um, and it's on a computer. Like, wow, that's just, that's so many changes. It's so hard to be a kid right now. What, what do you think about that? Just, so to me, that's what our kids need more than a routine. They need to feel really connected to their parents and have their parents help them kind of put together the kind of disparate pieces of this puzzle. That's an interesting word that you just used. That they're connected. Oh, I thought you were going to say disparate. No, no, no. I'm saying connected because I, I think that's what I'm. Uh, I'm getting different questions than than, than yeah. you're getting every every day. Parents are reaching out to me in panic 
that yeah. their kids are that their kids are sitting around that they're not doing anything and then I'm getting calls from different you know publications and people can you create a 30 minute program and I'm like no I'm not going to create a 30 minute program like kids aren't going to go kids aren't yeah kids aren't going to go listen to a 30 day, 30 minute program and, and you're not going to retain them with something with structure my whole thing with my son is just getting him you know I have my little studio here we come down here together and we connect and, and I think kind of wants to follow that's a really nice model in terms of like your awareness that like kids can get deep connection and like concentrated bites. Like to me, there's, you know, to me, there's always like one condition that allows for it. It's just not having our phones as parents. Like if we actually right. go to our kids and actually say to them, Hey, I want to do something with you. And I just want to let you know, my phone's in the other room. I don't want to be distracted by it. You can have 30 seconds that follow that mean more to your kid than two hours of kind of relatively distracted presence. This, this is something that I'm not sure, like, you know, when to be tough, when to, lay back when to you know be when to comfort somebody when to yeah. so it's i guess it's going to be trial and error but you know just what you guys are saying like the best ways to connect these are these are things in which i'm i guess you know i don't know i mean is there any advice or tips or and here's an idea and i'm curious zach what you think about this don too i really think about parents and kids and families having jobs and right if anybody's ever worked in a company you know that it's a system and systems don't work well if you don't have clearly defined jobs. No company has ever hired someone saying, I think you are cool. We'll just come and figure out what to do. Like that company, would that, that system would not work. So one of the things for systems to function is having clearly defined jobs. Everyone focus on their job and make sure not to do someone else's job, right? Like that's just kind of systems rules. And the family is a system. So I think about family systems a lot. This is one of the primary ways I think about families and siblings and dynamics. To me, a parent's job in the system is three things, is validation, empathy, and boundaries. And I actually think there's a little division there. Boundaries are always about behavior. There's like a firmness there that some behavior from kids has to be limited to keep the whole family system safe. The validation and empathy to me follows right after even a boundary and that while some behavior has to be limited, all feelings, all thoughts, all urges, really all the things that live inside a kid should be allowed because those are the things that make up who we are. So if a parent's job is to empathize, validate with warmth, and provide boundaries when we need to, and a kid's job is to experience and express feelings, period. And what's critical is that a kid's feelings should not dictate a parent's validation or boundaries. And critical also is it's not a parent's job and it should never be a parent's job to control how a child is feeling. What do I mean? So let's start with a 16 month old, right? So a 16 month old, let's see, Zach, what, what would happen that would lead your daughter to just like having a meltdown, to start crying, to start in my words saying, having big feelings that kind of explode out of her body? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I will use the banana because that actually, it wasn't a slice, but it, it there was a banana incident. We'll, we'll just call it that. Yeah. And uh, that, so that set her off. So that's a great example. So I'm just going to use it as like, you cut her a banana and like you cut in slices because she usually likes it. And 16 month old, sometimes they talk, sometimes they don't, they just start wailing. Okay, great. So this is a perfect example. So let's say she starts wailing, but she's crying. She's not hitting you. She's not biting you. To me, hitting and biting are clear boundary violations. That's just not allowed. It's not allowed, not just because it's quote bad. It's actually not allowed and we want to stop it because 
it's critical for kids to learn that behaviors can be dangerous, but feelings are not. That's actually really critical for kids to learn to have a resilient relationship with all their feelings. And if their feelings of, let's say, disappointment convert into smacking their dad or biting someone's hand over and over, we know the biting's not okay and the anger is, but they don't learn that. They actually learn, look at how my feelings are making me do this dangerous thing. They actually need that boundary. So I'll use that as an example. Let's say she starts crying and I'm thinking my job, validation, empathy, boundary. There's, I mean, it's loud, but there's nothing like clearly boundary violating. So empathy and validation would sound, sometimes as a 16 month old, you're like, I'm not even sure what's happening, but I know you're really, really upset. Maybe I didn't give you the banana the right way. And here's where I zoom out from the banana. And that's so critical with kids. Oh, it is so disappointing to want things one way and get them a different way. For me too, right? And the tone is where your empathy comes through. Because I could say the same words and a kid is not going to feel empathized with. I can be like, yeah, it really stinks to get your banana cut. Like my kid's going to be like, my dad is mocking me. Like they are not, he's not connecting, right? And now let's say your kid keeps crying because you've done this beautiful parenting intervention. You're like, Dr. Becky said to say it. I said it. I was so warm and she's still crying. Now, according to the jobs, really, like you're doing your job and she is doing her job because in her body, she is the only one who could know how long she's upset for. Right? Now, let's say it converts into something different. Now she, you get closer and she bites you. Now, to me, that's a perfect boundary. And I would say that these are my favorite words. It's just, I will not let you bite. I don't like, we don't, people say that all the time. I feel like it's odd. Like my kids know I don't fight them. I think it feels pejorative that I'd like use the royal we. And I just say like, I will not let you bite. And then I would follow up with, again, the other part of my job. Oh, but I know it's so disappointing to yeah. not get bananas the way you want. And even at 16 mm -hmm. months, kids totally get the difference between a firmness followed up with so much warmth. And if you think about us, like, this is what I want from my husband all day. Like, if I say something that's, like, rude to him, what I want him to say is, Becky, I, I won't let you use that rude tone, but you must be really upset about something, and I will understand sadness yeah. if you just don't talk to me, you know, in such a rude way, right? Like, that would be, wouldn't all of us be like, oh, my God, I have the best partner ever. My, my wife handled me that way the other day, and I actually felt like shit. I was like, oh, man, I was, I was just totally rude to her, and she's just trying to be supportive of me, and I, and I felt like an idiot. Right, but, it was but the right way to handle me in that situation. It didn't, yeah. it didn't then escalate into some yelling match, right? No, right, no. right. You're 100% right. Maybe if it's like you know, with 11 and 12 year olds, to me, this comes up all the time when kids say just like rude things to their parents. Maybe it's like, hey, can you fold the laundry today or something? And they're like, I'm not folding the laundry. You know, to me, that's that's rude. And that's a boundary you can put around a behavior. Like, a, that was a really rude tone. I won't let you talk to me that way. Everyone has to do chores. Having said that, like, you must be really upset about something. Or, right. or having said that, you're allowed to not like folding laundry. And then if your kid wants to complain the whole time, but they're not like being so rude, again, that's doing their job. And even if a situation is very messy, yeah, there's a lot of crying, I feel emotionally exhausted. If I'm like, yeah, I kind of did my job and they did their job, to me, that's the essence of safe connection in a family. What happens when the child doesn't care about the consequences? Because at a certain point, if, you're, if, you're, if your child 
you know, call what you want, messes up, screws up, but you know, they, they have to get punished and you, and you award them with that punishment and they're like, okay, whatever. And they don't care. Like, how do you, how do you suggest to deal with that? Or was it dealt with poorly in the first place? Let me just say it. I'm not a fan of like really consequences or punishment. I'm not at any age. And you know, I, to me, the thing I'm always thinking about in parenting is that word is connection. And to me, we tend to listen to people, not all the time, but some of the time who want us to do things that we don't want to do either because we feel terrified of them or we feel very connected to them. So, and I think all of us know, like, we don't want to parent through fear. Right. Right. And to me, punishment often misses the point, but when you punish something, my vision of it is like, it kind of gets shut down when like, to me, the other word besides connection, I think about a lot as a parent is curiosity. Like, I wonder why my kid did something that he knows is super dangerous. Or I wonder why my kid, I don't know, went to that party knowing that we have like a rule that says no parties, like what's going on there. And I guess if I have to pick in the moment of kind of giving a consequence or trying to understand, I try to understand. To me, the things we miss a lot with our tweens and teens is actually bringing them into the process of, let's say a consequence. Like, because actually in my experience with families of like 11 to 16 year olds, when they totally change their approach and they say, hey, look, I know you're really angry about a lot of stuff. I know sometimes that comes out as like cursing at me and calling me really bad words. It's totally unacceptable. I'm trying to understand you better and get more alone time with you and all the good stuff, but let's think about this together. If that happens, like, what do you think? Like, what do, what do you think we should do? I know you don't want to be doing that. So what, and I can't even tell you my parents are like, my kid came up with like a harsher consequence. And then I was the one being like, whoa, I don't need to take care about your iPad for that long. And then all of a sudden there's like a connection moment, which guess what? Reduces the likelihood that your kid is going to be calling you some curse word. Like, I just feel like it gets in such a a more positive cycle. Do you get tired of people asking you for advice all the time? To be be honest, the reason I got into this field is I, I really find nothing else as fascinating as people and family systems. I just find family systems like totally fascinating. And even when I'm working with an individual in like adult or couples therapy, I mean, I'm, I'm still thinking about the family system in which they grew up because that's so affected who they are. So I just find it like endlessly interesting to think about people. What was your growing up like? And is that kind of what helped you get into to this field? Yeah. You know, I would say I grew up in a family that there was like a lot of feelings talk. There was like, especially with my mom, like she was just um, always this kind of non-judgmental observer of like emotional states. And even like to the point where I remember coming home being like, this girl did this thing to me. And you know, her, she's like, I wonder what was going on between the two of you. Like what, what was going on for her that she would mm. say that to you where most of my friends' moms were like, oh, you shouldn't be friends with her anymore, you know? So I just feel like there was a lot of, I guess I would say like, to me, the opposite of judgment is curiosity. Like those are opposites, especially when it comes to treating kind of our kids in a way or our partners. So we're either judging or being curious, right? Or we're either, to me, another version of that, which is always true, is we're either trying to be right or we're trying to learn and stay connected, right? Relationships generally do well with learning and connection, as we all know. Um, and like, I do feel like there was just a lot of curious learning in my house around feelings. You know, part of your path had to be directed because of your mom and, and yeah. her and how insightful she was. I mean, I don't, I don't think someone can be great in this field. And I don't mean good, I mean great and empathetic and passionate of what they do in this field that you're talking about, unless you were molded to go down this route at a young age. That's just my belief. Yeah, no, I think that's probably true. You know, my parents in some ways, my mom is this like super empathic, deeply feeling person. And my dad is this um, extraordinarily rational kind of like Mm -hmm. driven 
um, logical person. And I, I think I kind of got both, which is why I always think like my style as a psychologist is I do think I think very deeply about feelings, but then I like to get very, very practical and linear with strategies. And in some ways there's like bringing, there's an ability, I guess, maybe to, you know, to bring my, my two parental influences like into my life in that way. I haven't really thought about that till I said that out loud, but I think that's actually true. I have a quick question for you, Zach, unless you want to ask one. No, please go right ahead. Um, so you pretty much launched your Instagram page recently, you were saying, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I could like, tell me like how recent? Like, so I think I put up my first post on February 28th. Of this year? Of this year. Yeah. And, what do you, and you have about, what do you have, about 12,000 followers? I know that's yeah. not your business, but this is, so you have 82 posts. So you have 12, almost 12 and a half thousand followers in 82 posts. And this is, so this is obviously showing you right now that there's, there's a huge void out there in the market for, for what you're delivering. You know, one of the things that I have found in the field, and especially in the parenting field, is, you know, there's a lot of people who I think have like really interesting thoughts, right? And then sometimes you hear them and you're like, wait, but what are we supposed to do, right? Like it misses that practical piece. And then there really is a lot of kind of talk in the field that there's a lot of things that... I kind of said a little bit on here that I don't love. There's a lot of talk about like sticker charts and consequences and punishments and ignoring um, as kind of a method of essentially shaping a kid's behavior. You know, you want to extinguish the bad and kind of promote and praise and reinforce the good. And in some ways, it's just a more behavioral, you know, kind of approach. And, you know, to me, neither of those styles resonate with me. And again, I think anything more behavioral, it's not like I think some of that stuff in a limited amount is damaging. I don't, but as a whole approach, you are prioritizing only a focus on your kid's behavior at the complete detriment to your relationship with your kid. And to me, you can sticker chart a kid into good behavior at a certain age. And Don, you said it best. And then gets, all kids get to be a certain age and they're like, I don't care about your rewards. Like, I don't care about M&Ms anymore. Like, I don't care about your stickers. And if you haven't built up by the time a kid is 11 or 12, like definitely to their teenage years, what I think about is a ton of connection capital you are going to have nothing to spend and you need to spend a lot of it in your teenage years. It's the only reason kids say like, okay, I'll, the reason they tell their parents they're going to a party or come home at a certain time or right, anything. And so to me, what you're right, what my little foreign Instagram has kind of shown me is I think there is this need for people saying, I want a more like, sounds like I, I never used this word before, but like I want a more like soulful, like compassionate approach to relating to my kids. But I also really feel like I need real strategies to do. And I, I think that's what I, where I maybe kind of fit in. You know, parents want to make sure that they're, I mean, most good parents want to make sure they're doing the right thing. I know Zach does. I know I do. I know my wife does. My family. I mean, I, I think a lot of times parents get confused on what is the right thing to do. We never learn as much about how we were parented in our earliest years than we do by watching how we respond to our kids. Like, you don't even have to remember things consciously, but if your first instinct is to be like, come down on someone harshly or something like that, that's like, a, we're remembering something. Like you're not in a traditional sense, but our body is remembering that probably when we didn't make our beds, like there was like kind of more harshness than understanding. There was more being right than connecting, right? Um, and we learn, and that's why I think being a parent, like we just, we learn so much about ourselves. We learn so much about our original family systems. And then most of us want to do things slightly differently. I always say this to my patients, like when you do something new, 
something that's unfamiliar, especially if you're doing something new with your kids that was probably very different than the way you were parented. Your body is having to make that new circuit. It's literally tunneling out something new. Guess how that feels? Uncomfortable, especially as compared to going through a circuit that has been carved out, I don't know, a billion times. And so anytime you make a change, I'm sure in any field, right? Like it feels weird. And in the parenting kind of process, I always encourage parents to be like, find the moment that you're responding in a way that you're like, maybe you're a little softer, a little more understanding. And when that feels weird or you have the thought of, oh, I don't think I'm doing this right because it's just not normal or familiar, to remind yourself that's probably my best sign <laughs> that I'm doing like something really new. And sometimes new is really good. <laughs> you said something interesting about rewiring, like we can rewire how we, how we function as a parent. To me, we're in two modes as adults and definitely as parents. We're either in putting out a fire mode or we're in reducing vulnerability to a fire mode. And it's so critical as a parent to recognize those differences um, because they require very different skills. So when a kid is melting down, you're in putting out a fire mode. You just want to contain the fire. In terms of thinking about building emotion regulation skills, that's reducing the vulnerability, but that doesn't happen. Like you're not getting a kid to take a deep breath for the first time when he's at a 10 out of 10 tantrum, right? So for you, at the moment when you, let's say, react harshly to your kids, that's a, now I just have to contain the fire moment. And usually we contain fires by containing ourselves, taking, or what we can also do is just go back to our kids and repair. Repair is so much more powerful than we think. Like, we should apologize to our kids every day for something. It's just such a good model for them to learn. When someone messes up in your life, you should expect them to come back and the, and the opposite. But then mm -hmm. where we really build skills to almost get better at not having those reactive moments literally happens in a timeline. In the things that we do for ourselves before those moments and the things that we do for ourselves after. And if you, if you visualize a timeline, the more we get curious and compassionate about our processes before and after, versus the exact moment of, let's say, a reaction. If you think about it, like you almost surround the before and after so far, so much, they get almost thicker and thicker that they converge in the moment at some point. It's like truly like amazing. And so some of the things people do before that is super helpful is just something concrete. Like I'm gonna really think about my triggers in the day. When do I tend to react most to my kids? Is it in the morning? Is it something about making the bed? Is it when they don't eat the food I make? Is it when they don't eat the food my wife makes? Is it when I'm done with work? Is it about homework? Like knowing, when you tend to react and saying that non-judgmentally to yourself, just like, yeah, that's just powerful information helps us anticipate it because we can regulate feelings so much better when we can tell ourselves, I knew this feeling was coming than when a feeling just kind of takes over us by surprise. So that's like one of many, I would say before strategies, just concretely, like I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to like be curious. When do I tend to react most? Like there has to be some type of pattern, you know, and I'm going to start to get to know that. And then my goal is to try to find that moment and say, oh my God, here's that moment. Who knows what's going to happen after, but that changes the circuit. I'm bringing mindfulness now instead of reactivity. And those are also opposites, being mindful versus reactive. After what's a really powerful strategy is doing what we hate to do. Because when we do something that we don't like, we like to forget about it. We're like, oh, I'll start again. Right. But then what happens is that original circuit, and sexually you're saying, I did the thing I don't want to do. I've done that. I want to rewire that. We never get to rewire it because we just reinforced it again. What's actually amazing is when we reflect on something about our past with a new framework, this is really true. We change the impact of it in our bodies. Because if you think about that circuit, it's almost like you go back to that circuit and like pour some liquid through it that's different. And then inherently it kind of shifts it. It actually really does. 
Can you so give me an example? Can, do, do you mind giving an example on that? Yeah. So to me, there's almost like a process, which would be later at night at some point, I'm a big fan of a journal. And I just feel like, I'm going to write down some thoughts. Like, what was going on for me? Did any of those triggers happen? I wonder, like, can I really trace slowly myself? Like, what was it? Like, your daughter's Amelia, is that right? Is yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so me and Amelia were just like, sitting down. And I think, okay, I don't remember all of it, but we were eating dinner. And, and, and then, like, she said one thing. And then, like, oh, wait. She said one thing and then all of a sudden I yelled. That's so interesting. Because in a way, Don, what you're saying is like everything I kind of need to know about myself happened between her saying she hated this chicken and me yelling. Like it seemed like that was one second and maybe I'm not going to learn anything else about it, but probably a whole world happened in that moment to get me from zero to 10. And like, as you start to reflect with what I call that like non-judgmental curiosity, over time, you just learn things about yourself. You actually put together something, I'm going to say it, a term that's to show you how smart I am. It's going to be fancy. A coherent narrative, okay? <laughs> the whole process of what therapy does. It helps them, helps people bring more coherence to their life. Again, once we just have coherence and understand ourselves, we regulate better. This is fascinating. I mean, Zach, I could have stayed on with her for hours. Yeah. I feel like I need a whole course in this. This is amazing. Zach's overwhelmed, I can tell. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, it's it's a lot to, to process and um, it is. I, I'm excited that, that we were... We had this chance to do it. I, I don't usually say things like this. I don't want to like plug something, but it really is relevant. Like I happen to have two courses on this that actually for both of you, it's almost funny. One is like managing meltdowns and improving motion regulation. Again, That's which is like, awesome. how do I reduce the fire? I mean, how do I contain the fire? And then at other times, how do I reduce my kids' vulnerability? to that fire. Well, well, can you let everyone know where to find that? Yeah. So that's at drbecky.thinkific, think, and then T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C.com. If anyone follows me on my Instagram at drbeckyathome in my link tree, there's a link to that. And then the other one is parenting teens and tweens during quarantine, which is cool. like, and I actually think it's for any angsty kid kind of six and above. Um, and all kind of both of those come from like a total, again, it's like, I guess I would call some of my approach, like a connection based approach, but filled the whole course after a framework is actually like 15 plus strategies, all of which I model and act out and kind of my way that I get really into kind of role plays. And so each one will feel like very real and usable. Um, and I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. I think they're both, I, I really feel like I put my best stuff into, to both of them. I love it. Well, we've got my podcast partner at Zraz, at Don Saladino, and Dr. Becky. Thank you so much. Oh, you. What was that? Was that a little? Was that a little? Uh, what is that? Hmm? Did you just hit a button? Did you have a little like noise thing going on there, or what? No, is there I, didn't something play, I didn't play any sounds. I didn't. Oh, play you didn't play any sounds. Yeah, I'm waiting for it. Sorry, Dr. <laughs> Becky. Private joke there. Uh, Dr. Becky, we can't thank you enough for your time. And um, if you ever need anything from us, please let us know. And really, this is. This is a very informative episode, probably one of my favorites ever. Um, I'm really excited to get this up. Thank you so much for your time, really. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Todd. Stay safe. Stay safe. See you later. Bye. Bye.